Hello and welcome to Hopeful Conversations. Today I am joined by somebody called Terry Homyard. And I've known Terry, weirdly, for about probably about five years, but only virtually and not having actually spoken to her. So um, we've emailed quite a lot uh, about logistics of a, a little peace of mind, uh, Q&A calls and uh, various other things. Um, because Nick, uh, Terry was working for a little piece of mind. Um, that's how I kind of first came across you, I guess. And I don't know when it was. Has it been six months or so that um, Terry, I, I started following you on Facebook and um, you started posting about symptoms that you were having and, um, and then eventually you went through the sort of, obviously you went through the doctors and had various tests carried out and you pretty recently been diagnosed with MS multiple sclerosis and there was something in the way that you were sharing that got me curious I guess for this podcast which is all about hopeful conversations and um, the way that you showed up I guess in your sharing and the honesty in it and the sense of hope I guess like it wasn't you know just 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 reading it wasn't like oh my god I have been given this diagnosis that's the end of the world you know I'm not going to be operating anymore over and out kind of you know like I'll just go and hide I just I just thought gosh there's there's so much in what you shared around and hopefully you'll you know you can elaborate on this but for me I just felt, had this sense of wow you can be given a diagnosis of something and you can know you're okay and I think that's huge and so I would just love to hear your perspective because that's obviously my interpretation <laughs> might not be it at all <laughs> Um, but yeah, can you just sort of tell the listeners a little bit about what's been going on, your journey and um, yeah, where you're at now, I guess? Yeah, well, thank you for having me. It's lovely to meet you at last. <laughs> I, I honestly feel so lucky because since I've spoken with other people with MS, some people have known they've had it for like 10 years and struggled to have a diagnosis. I was poorly and hospitalised in November um, I stayed a week in hospital and I was diagnosed on December the 20th. It was it was really quick, which was amazing. I was really lucky, but it was also a real shock. Um, when I went into the hospital, um, I'd had symptoms for months like numb fingers, numb, numb legs, numb, uh, numb toes, um, but I just had COVID and I thought it was just a bizarre COVID side effect symptom. So I was just kind of plodding on. And then I woke up one Monday morning and my vision was really, really blurred and double. And to see, I was I was still working because I'm really, really famous for my being stubborn. I'm really stubborn. And I was like, I'm, I'm not ill, I'm fine. And I was literally working with one eye trying to work. And I did that on the Monday and the Tuesday. And I booked um, a doctor's appointment on the Monday, but they couldn't fit me until Friday. So I was like, I'll soldier on until Friday. I'll be fine. 
And then on the Wednesday, I was trying to work and it felt like my laptop was moving. I was so disorientated and I was like, this is a bit ridiculous. So I rang 111 and they were like, get here within the next 40 minutes. And I was like, oh, it's just a bit of can't see. I'm fine. I'm fine in myself. So I went in and had all my vitals and um, the doctor took me to one side and said, it's anxiety. And I, I've had anxiety in the past and I know what anxiety feels like. And I, he must have seen from the look of my face. And he was like, just to humor you and give you peace of mind, we'll give you a CT scan and then we'll send you home. So I had this CT scan and an hour later, he called me and my husband into a room and he sat me down and he knelt in front of me. And I looked at my husband and I was like, this isn't not anxiety. And he said, we've, um, we've found a mass on your brain. You need to stay here and have tests. So for five days, I thought I had a brain tumor. And that's what I thought for five days. I was on a drip and and I had an infection on my brain. And and I thought I've got I've got a brain tumor. And I've obviously I've got three kids and and a husband and a life. And and I sat for five days just kind of in a daze and thought, this is gonna be tough. But even then I was like. At least it's me. At least it's not one of my kids. At least it's not my husband because he's a breadwinner. We could handle without me for a few months. If I need to fight cancer, I'll just take a few months off, fight it, and then I'll I'll come back. And um, then I was released seven days later and told I had MS. And I was like, phew, MS. Oh. It's not brain tumor. This is amazing. And I didn't think that I had it. I mean, I'd seen the, the Summer Blair documentaries and the interviews and seen how how poorly she'd been affected by it. And I knew a lady with MS who was really frail in a wheelchair. And I left hospital and I thought, well, that's ridiculous. It can't, I can't have MS because I'm not like them. And I I knew nothing about it at the time. I thought it was a one size fits all, you have MS and this is what happens to you. And then I went to see a neurologist on the 20th of December. And yeah, he told me that I had MS. And all the way home on the bus with my husband, I was like, did he say I had MS? He's like, yeah, say it. And I was like, so he said I had it. And he was like, yeah, you you have it. And I was like, but did he actually say the words? And he said, yes. He said two, three times, you have got multiple sclerosis. And I was like, yeah, but I might, I might not though. And it was just a, it was just a shock of thinking I had a brain tumor too to MS and and of course I went home and I googled everything and scared myself and yeah it was a pretty strange time it was all very fast and sudden and shocking and I hadn't had the build-up of the time to think oh it might be MS it might be this it might be that it was like boom you've got a brain tumor boom you've got MS and it was like four days before Christmas you know and I don't even remember Christmas Eve. I was saying to my mum this morning, I don't remember Christmas Eve at all. I, I was just in a daze of of relief, really, because I thought I had a brain a brain tumour. And I was like, MS will be a walk in the park. It'll be a tablet every day and and I'll go back to normal. And But it's just, it's not been quite as, <laughs> as smooth sailing as that. Um, but yeah but it's been a, a real strange time, definitely. And I I just, I mean, hearing you say, thank goodness it's just MS, like, well, that's, that's, that's 
that's fine in comparison to what I thought it was. Like, isn't that amazing? You know, just that, um, I remember having that, my daughter, when she was 14 months, had meningitis. And, and it was a similar kind of relief finding out that she had meningitis, which was really weird. But, in, you know, she was in a coma and we didn't know what was wrong with her. We obviously had, were fearing the worst that she wasn't going to come back from that. And to be told that she had meningitis, was like, oh, right, well, OK, we can deal with that. Yeah, that's, that's fine. We'll just, she'll just get some antibiotics and she'll be fine. You know, it was that kind of, and I just heard that and what you said, but it's amazing how when your mind kind of goes to the worst case scenario, like always, doesn't it? Like in, in every situation, the mind will always go to the worst case. And then how interesting it is that the actual thing is never as bad as the worst case scenario. So there's that, like that level of relief. Um, the knowing is a lot worse than the not knowing. It's the not knowing that is the scary part. And once we know, we feel like we can take control of the situation a bit more and we kind of have an idea of what's to come. Whereas if you sat there in a hospital going, have I got a brain tumour? They thought I had Parkinson's at one point. Um, yeah, it's just that once I knew, I was like, oh, so you know what I've got and you can treat it. And you say that lots of people have it. And... I've seen people with it and yeah, I can, I can get through this. And then I was kind of like, went through all my luckies, you know, I'm lucky I work from home. So if I need a nap in the afternoon, I can have a nap. I'm lucky that my kids are older because I couldn't, I wouldn't feel safe carrying a newborn baby or a toddler up and down the stairs. But luckily my youngest was 12. So it was like, not, not a nice time, but a better time to have it. And I was all, always kind of like, could be worse at least I'm in a stable marriage and my husband takes care of me and and um yeah and for years everyone had been telling me to slow down I was kind of running a business and I was chair of the PTA and I was a school governor and I was a hands-on mom and 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 everyone was always like slow down slow down slow down and and I never did I thought I'll slow down when I'm older you know when the kids have gone and I can I can um, I can rest a little bit and let things go. And when you get something like this, it kind of forces you. I have to slow down. There isn't a choice in the matter anymore. I can't pull all nighters at work anymore or, or stay up till one in the morning baking cookies for school the next day. I just, I can't do it. And there's something quite liberating in that and being kind of like, it's kind of like having a valid excuse. Not that you need one, but before I was just like, I can't take a break. I can't take a break. And now I'm like, I need to take a break. I need to take care of myself. If my kids need something desperately, but I need a nap, I'm going to have to take a nap. Otherwise, I'm going to be no good for anyone. So it's made me prioritize a lot in my life. And a lot has kind of fallen by the wayside. A lot of guilt, a lot of rushing around, a lot of doing things. For the sake of doing things, I used to do things and then and now in hindsight, I think, why did I spend so much time worrying about this or doing this? Whereas now it's just fallen away and it never mattered. <laughs> but at the time, it, it really mattered. It was a big driver for me. So it's taught me a lot in these couple of last couple of months, definitely. 
taught me a lot about myself and my marriage and my kids and how resilient we've all been and um yeah it's been it's been an experience <laughs> yeah and just hearing you talk about it like gosh there's so much um I want to say positivity but it's not fake positivity it's like I can just hear that like presence with what is like this is what the situation is and there's to me it sounds like there's peace there like there's not fighting of it it's like there's not a oh I'm really tired oh my gosh you know I but I need to carry on doing stuff and this is really bad and now because I've got this I can't do other stuff and what's it you know what does that mean about me and like none of that what I'm hearing is just a real presence to what is possible and what's not possible now and there's no suffering in that 99% of the time I feel absolutely fine the odd one percent of time I do feel I, I'm I'm human I feel <laughs> Depressed, I feel down. Yesterday, I spent kind of an hour watching videos on YouTube and bawling my eyes out, like people who are homeless who'd found themselves on the streets for no, for no, um, for, they'd lost a job, it wasn't their fault, or stray puppies on the street. And I was like, oh, and my life is so, is so good. And I do this weird thing, my husband thinks it's very strange when I'm feeling really depressed. I watch a film about people who are really, really struggling. Like one of my favourite ones is this film called Jungle with Daniel Radcliffe. And it's a true story. And he's lost in the middle of the Bolivian jungle for like weeks. And he's hungry and he's exhausted and he's frightened. And I'll sit there and I'm like, I'm moaning because my fingers hurt. That's a struggle. And it kind of, my husband's like, why do you watch depressing things when you feel depressed? And I'm like, (laughs) Because it puts into perspective my problems kind of on the grand scale of things. When I'm in my in my home feeling sorry for myself and being like, oh, I have MS, it's terrible. I just try and think it could be a lot worse. And then seeing, seeing people like fighting for their lives and battling through real problems. I'm like, yeah, I've just, I've just got MS. I have an amazing family. I have an amazing team of doctors and nurses. Um, yeah, I... I I allow myself to moan a little bit sometimes because going through MS, an MS diagnosis, is a bit like grieving. You do grieve for your old life, um, but that's a very small sliver of time. I mean, I'm hoping it keeps up. This is quite new to me. I'm hoping that in like six months down the line, I don't hit a wall of, of feeling kind of miserable and, and and sorry for myself and I said to my husband the one thing I don't want MS to take from me is is me I don't want it to make me bitter and you know why me I've not done anything I that's the one thing I don't want I know I can still do anything I want I just have to do it in a different way than I used to do it before but but yeah I do have the odd the odd moments of oh and and then I quickly go, oh, it could be worse. You know, I've got and my mum's around the corner. I can go to my mum's for a cup of tea. And and I've got my my dogs and they give unconditional love. They don't care if I've got MS. If I can't be bothered to, like, play with them because I'm exhausted or they miss out on a walk, they don't 
hold it against me. They love me anyway. And even if I'm laid on the sofa watching TV all day, they'll lay with me and they're wagging the tails and I know they're having the time of their life. So, yeah, so I just try and focus. I try and focus on the good things and not not dwell on the on the the bad side. It would be very easy to feel really sorry for myself. Um, but I choose I choose to not do that. Yeah, I really hear that. And I'm curious, like, you know, you sort of said, oh, you know, I just hope I can ten in, in, in six months time, I'm not going to hit a wall and kind of be miserable and whatever and, and and I'm kind of like I'm curious to know if that if that happened what do you know what do you know about that well I try and surround myself with positivity so when I came from hospital um the first thing I did was this is the main room that I spend my time in if I'm not working. So I put lots of yellow stuff and kind of bright, sunny stuff. We got rid of the sofa and I was like to my husband, I have MS, I need a reclining sofa. And he was like, yeah, yeah, whatever you need. So he bought me a new sofa. And uh, my I, some friends who were a bit like, oh, you're so brave. Oh, and I'm like, no, I'm not. climbing the mountains brave running into a burning building to save the kittens brave I'm just kind of my husband does it all the time he'll be like Terry took the dog for a walk today hashtag brave hashtag MS warrior and I'm like Darren stop doing that because (laughs) it's not brave and it's not (laughs) if it was Terry's jumping out of a of an airplane yeah hashtag brave but I'm not an MS warrior I'm just somebody who's trying to live the life but I do try and find positivity in everything um even silly things like my water glass my my husband drinks water out of a glass I drink water out of that oh it makes me happy you know and it's just little things kind of like find find joy in everything don't don't look for don't look for the sad miserable stuff just look for stuff that makes you smile and makes you happy and and if, if I am feeling down, I pick up the phone and I reach out to a friend or a family member. We go out for a meal or a coffee. And yeah, I just kind of don't allow myself to sit in that feeling. Feelings come and go. But when, when, when happy feelings come, I embrace them. And when sadness comes in, I just kind of try and distract myself till they've gone because they don't last long. Um, but it would it would be very easy to draw the curtains and sit in the house and turn my phone off and avoid people. Um, but that's kind of not who who I am. I don't want to, like I said, I don't want to end up bitter and, and miserable. And I always tell myself, things could always be a lot worse. I have a nice home. I have a lovely, lovely kids. I have a great husband. Um, I have everything I need. I'm just not, not, not got much energy anymore but that's a tiny thing wow yeah and it is that um I don't know when you talk about looking for joy I just think that's really beautiful because we so many of us find it so easy to slip into you know everything's terrible I don't know whether it's like I guess it's conditioning or you know you know that kind of um I don't know like 
yeah learned behavior almost of, of kind of noticing all the stuff that's not great and I just love what you're saying of notice yeah there's stuff that's not great and that's okay but there's a load of stuff that is great and the more that we put you know it's that whole thing of um what we put attention on is what we get more of yeah you know where, where our yeah where our attention goes flows it's like I love you know I love what you're saying because it's exactly that like we've noticed that yes there's stuff that can't be done now but there's all this stuff that can be done and the more that we look to that the more we see of that and the things that are not so great kind of fade into the background a bit more and it sounds like you're quite a, a natural at that or has that been have you noticed a shift just from this diagnosis of kind of uh, of that happening more or is it a conscious thing or yeah we have you always just been a joy seeker <laughs> um I wouldn't say I was before I wasn't a negative person but I was always so busy I was always do a task finish the task find the next task do yeah. the task and and I never took time and and there were books I wanted to read and there were people I wanted to have a coffee with and there were things I wanted to do with the kids and I was always too busy to do them. So now I think I can read the books that I've that have been piling up and I can watch the movies that I've been wanting to watch for ages. And and I do I do see I think sometimes you kind of you see more of what's on on your mind. I don't know if it's a subconscious thing or or a law of attraction thing. But when I came out of hospital with the diagnosis, on the way home on the bus, I saw four people in wheelchairs, and I'd never noticed people in wheelchairs before. And I said to my husband for about a week, they were like everywhere I looked, there were people with crutches and in wheelchairs, and I was like. Have these people always been here and, here and I've not seen them and I've not noticed. I've just seen the person and not noticed they've got a stick. Or, or am I just attracting all these people because it's on my mind? And now I'm back to normal. Everywhere I go, I pick up a book, I open Facebook, everywhere I see. I see puppies everywhere. I love puppies. If I If I could be paid to cuddle puppies, I would be living my best life. And my husband will say sometimes, all, all I see is other people going on holiday. And I'm like, all I see is puppies everywhere. We go walk, I see a puppy. I go to the hospital, there's a puppy on the bus. And and yeah, I, I don't know if I'm actively seeking these nice things out. Or it's like if you want to buy a car and you you have this idea of a new car in your head, suddenly they're everywhere. Right. And you're like, have they always been here? And I've not noticed them, or am I just attracting them into my focus? Because it's bizarre. I I went through a, a phase last year of wanting a, a Range Rover Evoque, and it, literally everywhere I went, I saw them, and I was like, surely there weren't this many before. <laughs> but but it is bizarre. And I said to my husband, "Oh, it's law of attraction." He was like, "Oh, whatever. He's not into anything like that. He's like." No, it's just, it's rubbish. You're wanting to see it. And, and whether you want to see things or not, if they're positive things, who cares? I mean, if it is law of attraction or you are physically looking for puppies, it doesn't matter as long as I'm seeing things 
that make me happy and I'm not focusing on on wheelchairs and instead focusing on happy things then who cares how and why it happens I just love that it does and it just keeps me keeps me going if I sat in the house and and had adverts coming on Facebook for for walking sticks and saw people walking past the house with, with sticks and struggling yeah it would just remind me of my own my own future maybe but at the moment that's not really in my vision I I go to bed every night and my husband's like does it not scare you that tomorrow you could wake up and be blind or be paralyzed I'm like but it might not and I might spend five years going to bed every night thinking oh I might wake up tomorrow blind but then in five years time I might look back and think I've wasted five years worrying that I was going to go blind and I didn't and all that time I've wasted and my time feels very precious now if I'm watching a film now or reading a book and I'm not into it I just stop and the old me would have to get through to the end and now I'm like no if it's not if it's not my thing move on to the next my time's precious now Yeah, and isn't that funny? Because time's always been precious. Like, you know, like it's, life is precious. And we weirdly forget that. We just have this kind of strange idea that it's, you know, where our existence is forever. And, and yet it's not for any of us. And, and yet we forget to look for the amazing things. And, and I love what you said, like, no, when you do look, when you when you are conscious, when you put your attention on on joyful things, that is what you see. You know, it's like if you if you focus on all the negative stuff, that is the experience that you have. Thought is creative, right? So whatever's being thought creates. And I just love what you you know what you shared around that because that's my experience you know I've lived in a world where I I just think people are lovely I mean that's just I've always had that I've never had a different thought I just think everybody's lovely I've worked with homeless people I've worked with drug addicts alcoholics you know people ex-convicts whatever and I've never had any incident with anyone it's like my 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 belief my thought that people are lovely is the experience that gets created so it's what I create (laughs) and I think that's such a powerful thing to know that that, and and can be uh, can be cultivated almost you know what you're saying like well yes I could focus on all the bad stuff about MS and I could lie in bed you know worrying about whether I'm going to wake up blind tomorrow but I could also look at the fact that actually everything's really cool at the moment yeah and, 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 and what I'm hearing and I don't know whether you listened to the, the the podcast I did with JP Morgan but that was his his diagnosis of MS many years ago and he doesn't he no longer has it he no longer has the diagnosis he's had yeah. the symptoms and it was just fascinating because that's you know that was his experience it was just like you know I'm not going to go into thinking about all the things that could happen and those things have never happened you know it it, and I mean who knows but for me the more I work with people and the more I see for myself the more that we focus on 
what's good or 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 you know whatever things that we want the more that we see that that's the experience that gets created yeah i i think you kind of tend to get what you expect we all know people who go why does nothing ever work out for me? I went on holiday abroad and I went to Hawaii and there was a four-hour delay for the plane. And I'm like, but you're focusing on the four-hour delay. I'm not yeah. the I had a beautiful holiday. And I think if you expect that, I would think, oh, four hours delay. Oh, Starbucks it is, a bit of shopping, yeah. watching, watching the, the planes with the kids. I love being in the airport, but I think... I think you can practice and kind of change that and look for that. I mean, mine was, I don't know if this would have happened. I think for the next 10, 20 years, I would have just been busy. And I think I would have got to kind of 60 and looked back and thought, I've just spent the last the last 60 years just doing the thing and doing the thing and doing the thing and doing the thing and then having a holiday and worrying about work and then going back to the thing and and yeah and I think that's as, that, that was the main thing with my diagnosis I think that hit me the worst I was like I, I I didn't have a great teenage years and I was kind of I had a mortgage at 18 I was quite independent I didn't have teenage years and then my 20s and my 30s were spent raising babies and doing the whole mum thing. And I always thought, if I just rush through this stage, my 40s are for me. And 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 the, I think that was the one thing that upset me more than even the thought of ending up in a wheelchair or or, or anything like that. It was I felt I felt robbed at the time. I was like, I've been robbed. My 40s, I wanted. The kids are older now. I wanted to travel with my husband and spend more time as a couple because we've been mum and dad for 17 years. I was like, I want to get back to being Terry and Darren and I want to be able to eat a meal with him without hearing mum every five seconds. Um, and I did feel robbed for, for a, a good few weeks. But now looking back, now I've had time to settle and process it all. I don't feel like I have been robbed because even if, even if this hadn't have happened, I wouldn't have focused on my marriage and me. I would have focused on working. Yeah. And so the 10 years would have been wasted worrying about the wrong things and putting my attention in the wrong things. So I was like, actually, MS hasn't robbed me of anything. It's given me the chance to cut out things in my life that aren't important, to realise how important things are. And to slow down and enjoy things. I used to work and my dogs would be sat on my lap and I would completely ignore them. And I'd just be sat typing, completely ignoring them. And they'd look up at me and I'd be like, busy, mummy's busy, I'll take you for a walk later. And now I just sit and, and, and cuddle my dogs and, and I'm more present with them. I was never present before. I could spend four hours being busy and not tell you um, if the postman had been or or if something had happened because I was so focused on on what was in front of me and now I just if I see the postman I'll like open the window and we'll have a little chat and and I'm just enjoying the small things in life that I would have missed for the next my 40s would have been squandered in oh the kids are older now and instead of thinking I can take more time for my husband I would think I can work more hours now I don't have to work 
and do a school run. I don't have to stop at three. I can stop at five. I can stop at eight. I can stop at 10. And I'd have gotten to 50, been completely miserable, burnt out. My marriage would have been in tatters. I wouldn't know my kids. And and I would have wasted another another decade. So now I'm like, yeah, slow down, focus on the small things and and um yeah, and just just stop what ifing. I used to what if all the time. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if the other happens? And even if I was doing this chat with you, I'd be like, what if there's a power cut? What if Vicky has to go away? Uh, what if school call and the kids have broke a leg? What if the dog gets out of the house and gets hit by a car? And now I kind of, I still do it. My brain will go, what if? And I'll just stop and I'd be like, I've dealt with MS. If I can deal with MS, I can deal with the power cut. I can deal with school ringing and saying that one of the kids is ill. I I think we can all deal with more than we give ourselves credit for. And when bad things happen, we don't have to sit and process and work a solution. We automatically just do the thing. And then sometimes afterwards, I'm like, I can't believe how quickly. I mean, one time, one of my friend's little boys, he was choking. He put something in his mouth and all the mums are kind of screaming and Googling how to stop choking. And I just like went over to him, put my fingers in his mouth and pulled the thing out. And they're like, oh my God, that was incredible. And I didn't consciously sit there and yeah. think, choking, next steps. I just walked over to him and did the thing. And afterwards I was like, oh, if I'd have thought about that, I would have been worried I'd have pushed it further back or I'd have hurt him or I'd have frightened him. But when bad things happen, you just, something in you just takes over and you just, do what you should have done anyway. So there's no point wasting time on what ifs. <laughs> That's the big lesson that I've learned. When things happen, you just you just cope, you just deal with them. That is an amazing thing to know, isn't it? Like I have that too. Like I used to spend all my time what ifing as well. And then having uh, been introduced to the three principles and the inside out understanding, just seeing that, oh actually if I look back at everything that happened in my life I always knew what to do when something bad happened or when something unexpected happened I just knew what to do and I did it I didn't ever have to plan that like you can't plan it right you can't you couldn't plan like how would you how would you deal with a diagnosis of MS and you know I could sit here my readers and listeners could sit at home going oh my gosh she's amazing like how what would I do if I had MS and it's like you don't need to go there because if you have that diagnosis you'll know what to do and every moment you know what to do because every moment we're being guided with that you know what to do and just to even look at you know to start looking at the truth in that is just is just mind-blowing and 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 the same thing for me happened as as what you're describing the sort of what ifs yes they can come but like I realized very quickly that I don't need to give energy to that it's like yeah I'll know just know yeah I used to what if like 200 times a day yeah and I'd be looking (laughs) it happen and then it'd happen I'd be like "Mm, it happened but but it was fine I was once doing a live training a live webinar and I had a power cut and I'd been what I think about that for weeks and it happened and the power came back on I got back onto zoom and I carried on 
afterwards everyone was like you were so brave you came back and you were like sorry about that I'm back now and you just carried on and I was like inside I was a wreck but on the outside I was like it's done it's dealt with it's gone it happened it's fine I did what I needed to do and now I'm back and at the time I was carrying on I was thinking everyone will have switched off now people will have gone people will think I'm unprofessional and I must have had about 20 messages afterwards being like, oh, my goodness, I could not have come back and just carried on. And I was like, yes, you could have. If it would have happened to yeah. you, can't explain it, but you would have just you would have just carried on and instinctively known that it, it was fine. and You would have done exactly what I did. And um, yeah, it is it is a nice it's 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 a lovely feeling having that trust in yourself that you're okay if something happens to you that you're going to be fine I don't need my husband I don't need my my parents I don't need my friends it's nice to have them but if I'm alone in the my husband's like what what if you're alone in the house and you fall and I'm like I'll figure it out if and when it ever happens Mm -hmm. I will figure it out my phone's always in my hand so nine times out of ten if I fell I just ring my mom and go, Mama, full and can you come on that? And I don't waste time worrying about what if I fall? And my husband does all the time. He must ring me 20 times a day from work. Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? And sometimes I think, am I am I not meant am I not meant to be okay? Yeah. If I wasn't okay, he's the very first person I would contact and say, <laughs> yeah. Darren, I am not okay. But I, I am okay. Sometimes he's come home and like the bathroom's flooded or the the kids have been sent home sick. And he's like, why didn't you tell me? And I'm like, because you would have been at work worrying and there's nothing you can do and I'm handling it anyway. But if I did genuinely need you, I I would let you know, but I'm fine and I'm confident that if anything happens... I'll just deal with it. I know for a fact if I went blind or ended up in a wheelchair, I'd be the happiest blind person there was because I'd be like, oh, well, I'm, a, I'm blind, but at least I can hear my kids. And and I'm not saying it wouldn't be traumatic. It would. But I know I'd come out the other end. People are blind in the world and they're living really successful, happy lives. They're working. They've got great friends, great relationships. Um, yeah and I know deep down if that happened I'd just deal with it just like I've dealt with everything else life just throw things at us and we just take a breath and just look look for the joy look for the puppies you all look for the puppies in life <laughs> that's, that's that's the that's the place to end isn't it look for the pup just look for the puppies look for the puppies Fine. Life's fine. <laughs> that is that. If I get to 100 years old and, and a, a news reporter says, what's your secret to a long, happy life? Look for the puppies. <laughs> Don't look for the walking sticks. Look for the puppies. <laughs> oh, my gosh, Terry. I have loved speaking to you. What a joyful conversation. Oh, and there's you. so many nuggets in there. So much um, for me and listeners to take away and I think for me the thing that's really uh, resonated I guess was 
all of your um, description or talk around presence of being present and noticing what's what's here because over the last week I've been doing an experiment actually around that to be more present to notice things to not spend every moment filling every moment with being busy you know because that's it's it's a it's a habitual thing it's a western world habitual thing and we don't even realize we're doing it whether it's like scrolling on Facebook because we've got five minutes while we're waiting for a friend or you know I don't know going and scrubbing the floor because we've got 10 minutes before the kids come home or you know it's like just a constant thing isn't it filling every moment and I really heard in what you said that that's what you used to do like you just you just were doing you were doing 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 all the time and and what ms the gift that ms has given you i guess is to stop because you can't do that and to yeah. just be and have moments of just being and moments to to just notice what's actually mm -hmm. here and, and we don't do like you know even even this week where i've been you know trying it as an experiment i just notice all the busy behaviors that still happen and and so yeah what a what an amazing gift I guess you are in showing us that the possibility that you know to just yeah, just slow down it doesn't have to be massive I was pegging out the washing the other day and I said to my husband listen how loud the birds are outside have they always been that loud it's like probably not you're probably just instead of rushing to peg the washing out to rush back in the house I was doing it really slow and I was enjoying the sunshine and it was quiet and I was like oh I'm doing something productive but I'm having a nice time and I was like oh listen to the birds oh I can smell the grass and I was like I've missed out on so <laughs> so much being busy don't be busy be still be still and just yeah just don't be busy all of the time I love your little experiment so yeah. I think we all need a bit more, a bit more stillness in our lives. Yeah, and you, you've just given us the perfect reminder of that. So I'm so, so grateful. Thank mm -hmm. you. So Thank you for having me. Finally, yeah. talk to you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll definitely keep in touch. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you. See you Bye. later. Bye. Bye. Bye.